This is the Food Factor Podcast, the show that talks about the connection between your health and what you eat or don't eat. I'm your host, Stephanie Mahachek, clinical nutritionist, health coach, science nerd, perma student, and mother of four. I love dogs, babies, and most of all, talking about all things health, wellness, and the weirdness of the human body. Thank you for being here. Hello, hello. Thank you again for joining me for another episode of the Food Factor Podcast. My name is Stephanie Mahachek, and I wanted to say thank you once again for tuning in to this show. If this is your first time, welcome. I hope you enjoy this show. We are talking today about three surprising symptoms that are actually tied to your gut health. So gut health is one of those things that is ever evolving. We're kind of, I don't want to say in the infancy, but we're definitely in the beginning stages of what is to come as far as what research is developing or or uncovering um, around the gut and the bacteria in the gut. And it is so exciting to be on like the forefront of all this information. It's really fascinating. So the gut is tied to, I mean, hundreds of things, if not more, but we're going to just focus on three symptoms that are kind of surprising that most people don't really know are actually related to their gut. Before we go on to that, though, I wanted to give a brief thank you for those who have left me a review. I appreciate those so, so much. It really helps to um, give me the motivation to keep making these episodes for you that, you know, I I want to provide something that's valuable for you and for everybody. And seeing that it is helping you is really helpful for me to know to continue to make these episodes and kind of what to talk about. One of the things, though, that I did hear as some feedback was that you want to learn more about me. And, you know, I'm a get it done type of person where I'm just like, get to the point already when I'm listening to a podcast. So I tend to just jump right into the topic. Um, So just a brief little thing about me, as some of you know who follow on social media, we do have a pet tortoise. And he he's actually walking around my office right now as I'm recording this. His name is Moose, and he is my best friend ever. <laughs> I love him. Um, but I might have to pause this uh, episode at some point to clean up some turtle poop off the floor. Uh, but you'll see him on social media pop up on my on my uh, reels and my stories because he actually has a lot to share and a lot to learn. We have a lot to learn from him on uh proper nutrition. So I've been sharing some stories about him. So uh, follow me on Instagram and or Facebook. And if you want to see Moose and some of our antics with him. So all right, let's dive in to this topic of three surprising symptoms that are actually tied to your gut health. So briefly, though, just to bring you up to speed, I don't know how much you know about your gut. So I'm going to do a quick little overview of your gut functioning of um, kind of what it generally does. And then we're going to dive into these three things. So when I like to explain the gut, I kind of think of it in terms of, you guys know those pocket hoses <laughs> from like back in the day where it was like a as seen on TV? It's like a pocket hose, except it's like way bigger. But it's, it's you know, you think of your your digestive tract going from top to bottom. It literally goes right through your body where, it, and it's bending and it's flexible and it's it's basically a tube that passes completely through your body. So within that tube are trillions of bacteria. Trillions. There's actually more bacterial DNA in your body than there is human DNA. Think about that for a second. We are basically just a walking bag of bacteria. So that's fun to think about. Um, But, you know, you have so much bacteria and and different things like um, viruses and fungi and things like that that all live in harmony in your gut. 
So there's a, a natural balance that happens between the good bacteria and the bad bacteria. You know, things like E. coli, we have that in our body all the time. We need it in our body. And it kind of gets a bad reputation when we get E. coli outbreaks and infections and stuff like that. But it is in there all the time and it serves a purpose. But it, in in excess or in the wrong places, it can turn into an infection. So that's just an example. But we have so much bacteria in our body that on average, it weighs about three to three and a half pounds. So again, when I was bashing the scales a couple of episodes ago, think about that. Does the scale tell you how much bacteria you have in your body? Yeah, I mean, it's three pounds. But but that's just another thing that weighs something that will show up on the scale. Um, anyways, so genetic testing has actually been done. You know, all the research and scientists that are working on identifying the different forms of bacteria and everything. Genetic testing has been done on about a thousand of the microorganisms that are in our gut. And around 200 of them are kind of considered the core of your intestinal microbiome. So that just gives you an idea of the, the mass quantity of different species and strains that are occurring in our gut. Many more are still yet to be uncovered. And I find it super fascinating that each specific strain or each phyla of bacteria, how they categorize them, all serve a different purpose. So isn't that fun to think about? That there are there's a wealth of information in our gut that we haven't even learned yet. Anyways, it's so exciting to me. I think it's really cool. So knowing all of that, you know, when you eat something any food or, or drink something, whatever, if anything comes into your gut or your digestive tract, it has to be broken down. We cannot simply absorb a bite of hamburger into our bloodstream. You know, it has to be broken down. So each of each portion or each section of our digestive tract, whether it is starts in the mouth, then you have the esophagus, then you have your stomach, then you have your small intestine, then you have your large intestine, then you have your colon, all of that has enzymes and different things in there to help you break down your food and absorb your food. So in a healthy gut, you have a bite of something, it goes into your stomach, it gets broken down by the, the stomach acid or the hydrochloric acid in your stomach, different enzymes, pancreatic enzymes are released to help break down certain things. It goes into a smaller form of molecules into your digestive tract or into your, I'm sorry, your small intestine. And that's where the majority of the nutrients are absorbed is in your small intestine. Kind of remember that because that's semi-important. Then it gets broken down even more and it goes into your large intestine and, and more nutrients and minerals and things are, are extracted from it and absorbed. And then it goes into your, your, the bottom part of your large intestine and your colon, and it just waits for it to be released as we go poop. So that's kind of a super brief overview. Now, something fun to think about is the lining of your digestive tract, that whole garden hose that we just talked about is only in certain areas about a cell, a human cell thick. So think about that. Think about how thin that is. And it has to be because that is where absorption happens, absorption of nutrients. On the other end or on the other side of that one cell thickness is the bloodstream. And that's where the nutrients then go into the body and go all over the body to be absorbed by the cells and, and carry out the functioning of whatever that particular nutrient is supposed to do. So it, it's very, very thin in areas because of absorption. It needs to be. So what happens when a digestive system is not healthy? 
What happens when there's damage to certain parts of it? What happens when we don't have enough hydrochloric acid to break down foods? All of that, at any point in in the whole process of digestion, there can be an imbalance or there could be a deficiency or there can be malabsorption. There's a lot of room for error and different things can affect how we absorb and digest our foods. One of those things you may have heard of is called leaky gut or intestinal hyperpermeability is the technical term for it, but it's known as leaky gut. So at some point, maybe there's some inflammation, maybe there is an infection, maybe there is damage in some areas where it's now that one cell thickness is diminished. And now different particles of foods or different pathogens or different toxins are now passing through that normally wouldn't pass through when it's an intact garden hose. Now it's passing through and getting into the bloodstream and going all over the body and wreaking havoc. So that's a super simplified way of of describing leaky gut. And I will do a whole episode on leaky gut because there's so much more to it as far as causes and how to cure it and all of that. Um, But we're going to stay focused on the three symptoms that are surprising. Um, But that's basically how leaky gut happens and why that can be an issue. So now we are talking about symptoms that can happen that are actually related to your gut health. Number one, skin issues. Think about skin issues like acne, um, rosacea, psoriasis, eczema. Those are really common skin issues that we are seeing more and more pop up in kids and in adults that um, the prevalence is way higher now than it has been previously. And skin issues, one of the things that is related to is food sensitivities, specifically gluten. Dairy can also be a big a big player in this too, but um, but gluten especially. And when I say dairy, I don't mean fermented dairy products. So things like kefir and I mean like straight up dairy, like uh, highly processed milks and um, sugary things like uh, chocolate milks and um, you know, ice creams and things like that, cheese. So um, food sensitivities is definitely something to look at. If you have skin issues, look into what you're eating, when the skin issues flare up the worst, and look into tweaking your diet in a little, whether it's looking at some of the food sensitivities or just taking a trial and doing a gluten-free diet for a little bit. Um, You know, follow the guidance of a nutrition professional or a medical professional with that. You don't just want to yank something out of your diet willy-nilly because a lot of times what happens is people become deficient in other things because they took out one little thing without replacing it properly with something else. So um, just something to think about there. Um, But food sensitivities is definitely something that can impact the skin issues. And food sensitivities are directly tied to the gut. It's how we're, it's a sensitivity that's occurring because the food item is causing, is becoming an irritant in the system. It's because it's becoming a immune response to that particular food item. As we talked about with the digestive um, process, Low HCL, hydrochloric acid in your stomach, another way of of thinking about it is low stomach acid, can also lead to the improper digestion of proteins, which irritate the gut because it's in a form that it's not supposed to be in, in a certain area of the gut. So this causes irritation. It can cause the bacteria in that particular part of the gut to be improperly digesting that particular item. And that results in toxins because certain bacterias aren't supposed to get certain forms of proteins because at that point they're supposed to be broken down better. 
and it can cause an immune response. It can cause the, the skin to flare up and it can actually lead to further leaky gut. Also thinking about the top nutrients that are involved with the skin and um, keeping the skin intact and healthy skin functioning and cell development, zinc. Zinc is a big one for skin. A lot of times when like teenagers uh, have bad acne, zinc is one of the things that you want to look at. And there's different forms of zinc. I'm not going to get into that right now. Um, but again, it, it's something to look at. Whether are you getting enough zinc sor- uh, sources in your diet, that would be optimal before you start popping zinc supplements left and right, because that can cause imbalances with copper. Um, but think about if you're getting enough zinc sourced foods in the diet. Another thing we want to look at let's say you are getting enough zinc uh, zinc sources of zinc in your diet, are you absorbing them? That is the bigger question. Are you actually absorbing it? Zinc happens to be absorbed in the small intestine, uh, in the duodenum, if you care to know. Um, but that's that first part, uh, like right after the stomach, is that duodenum that attaches the stomach and the small intestine. So that is where zinc is primarily absorbed. So if you have an overgrowth, if you have SIBO, if you have some sort of infection in that part of your gut, or if that part of your gut is in a dysbiosis where the bacteria is not in the proper balance, you may not be absorbing the zinc. And that could cause the skin to not be able to repair itself in the form, which can then manifest in the form of acne and and psoriasis and things like that. Vitamin A, again, is another really really key nutrient when it comes to skin health. And vitamin A is also absorbed in the duodenum. So if that is, again, if there's a dysbiosis, and by dysbiosis, if you don't know that word, that is just meaning an imbalance in the bacteria in that particular area. So um, it has to be in the right balance of the good and the bad and different forms of the good and, and all of that. If that is out of balance, then you could see malabsorption or absorption issues of those particular vitamins. So um, fatty acids are another thing that are involved with the, uh, the, the proper skin health. So a lot of people in North America do not get enough fatty acids, or we don't get the correct the correct form of the fatty acids. So things like omega-3s are really, you know, fish. And a lot of people don't have fish in their diet, nuts and seeds and um, avocados, olives, olive oils, avocado oils, all of those things are really good sources of healthy fats. And again, making sure you're getting enough of those in your diet. And if you are, are you properly absorbing them? So that's a whole, fat malabsorption is a whole nother topic that that I'm not going to get into today because there's a lot to it. But Again, if you're if you feel like you're getting enough sources in your diet, you gotta then take a look at are you actually absorbing it. So, skin skin issues are uh, a, a thing that are it's commonly thought of. Your skin is like a mirror of what's going on in your gut. So if you're having a lot of acne flare-ups, if you're having a lot of um, rosacea or psoriasis or eczema issues, look at your gut health. That is very very important. All right. So number two. Chronic fatigue. Chronic fatigue. You would not think that fatigue has anything to do with your gut a lot of times, but it sure does. 70% of your immune system, around 70%, if not a little more, is in your gut. Think about it. It has to be. It is the first line of defense when you ingest something. So when you take in, say, you, you bite an apple, let's say there's a virus on that apple. 
you take that in your body now, so that virus doesn't take over your whole entire body system, your body has to, to detect if it's friend or foe right away. So your immune system is directly related to your gut. So what happens though, if you're eating foods that you're sensitive to, or if there is some sort of infection going on in your gut, that's a form of low-grade inflammation. And this is incredibly taxing on your system. It uses up a lot of energy. It, it's basically having your troops, your, your immune system troops on high alert all the time. So could you imagine being on call for your job all the time? You can't sleep, you can't rest, you can't do anything else. You're just waiting for the phone to ring to say, go do your job. It, that would be exhausting. So that is incredibly taxing on your system. And that can be a source of chronic fatigue. Um, also, your gut influences energy production in your cells, as well as hormones that are tied to your energy. And that can cause you to feel fatigued if the gut bacteria are not producing or synthesizing the, those hormones properly. So that can be another huge source of fatigue because the, the hormones that are involved with energy aren't being produced because the gut bacteria is imbalanced or there's damage or an infection in the gut. Or another thing is maybe the nutrients that are directly tied to energy production aren't being absorbed. Um, all right, so number three is everyone's favorite topic to talk about, weight gain. Now you might be saying like, how in the world is weight gain related to my gut health? Oh, my friend, it is so, so related, so much so that I'm putting together an entire program on weight and gut health. Um, anyways, there's more to come with that. But so when we talk about weight gain, like we've talked about in other episodes, you know, it's it tends to be tied to a couple of things, one of which is lifestyle. So that's the thing that people tend to try and modify first. So things like your nutrition choices, which, of course, that's exactly what we're talking about, getting the proper foods to fuel your bacteria in your gut and balance it out and produce the hormones and do all the things. Right. So nutrition is key. And this is a huge part of that. And we'll go over a few things uh, in a bit on how to improve the nutrition. Um, exercise is also tied to weight gain. So if you're if you're constantly feeling fatigued, are you going to go out there and, and exercise? Probably not. Um, also, kind of a fun little fact that I just learned recently is that moderate exercise actually improves the bacterial composition in your gut. Isn't that kind of fun to know? <laughs> you would never think that getting out for a walk actually boosts the good bacteria in your gut. But yeah, I learned that. It's a couple of studies that prove that. It was interesting. Also, sleep. So your gut issues, if they are tied, they can directly be tied to sleep. They can cause sleep issues. You're, if your gut is, you know, cramping up and you're having diarrhea and things like that, of course, you're not going to be getting good sleep. But as far as the hormones that are related to sleep goes, the gut can influence that as well. And when you're not getting enough sleep, that can, of course, lead to weight gain. It can lead to not wanting to exercise or move as, as much during the day or do as intensive an exercise um, or it could cause issues with food choices. If we're sleepy and we're tired all the time, we don't want to make a healthy meal. We want to just grab what's quick and easiest. It's, it's understandable. Um, so it's tied to sleep as well. Stress is also another thing that's tied to weight gain and also tied to your gut. I will do, I promise, a whole episode on the brain-gut connection um, because that easily is going to be like at least an hour. I might have to make it into a two-parter because there's a huge connection between stress, mood disorders, um, issues with depression and anxiety related to your gut. 
Um, also, when you're stressed, that can lead to weight gain. So that can lead to stress eating. That could lead to, you know, uh, time issues and prioritizing exercise and movement. And that can lead to weight gain. So all of those are considered lifestyle issues that affect your gut. But each one of those have their own individual gut component to it. Okay. The second thing that's tied to weight gain are hormones. So I've talked a little bit about them so far, but specific hormones involved with weight are actually influenced by your gut. If you've ever heard of ghrelin, that is the hormone that um, causes your appetite. It's influencing your appetite, so it can cause you to feel hungrier. Leptin is also another hormone tied to weight and tied to appetite. This is known as the satiety hormone. So I hate the word satiety. It's really hard to say, and it doesn't sit right in my brain, but it basically means you're satisfied with the food. So you're feeling full. You're feeling like leptin is considered like the full hormone. So it's produced when your body has had enough food. It Your body produces that hormone. It tells the brain we're good and you stop eating. So when ghrelin and leptin are in misbalance or disbalance, and again, these are influenced by gut bacteria. So that can easily be tied to weight gain. When those are off and you're constantly feeling hungry and you're never feeling full, those can cause a huge issue with appetite and with metabolism and weight gain. Insulin is also one that is uh, directly linked with um, the gut. So we kind of talked about this in previous episodes, how glucose that you uh, that's released from the foods that you eat um, releases insulin to help get it into the cell. So when things are malabsorbed or when your gut bacteria is not in proper balance, um, different things can happen with the glucose and that can cause insulin and insulin resistance. And, and that's a whole nother thing that can lead into weight gain as well. Um, thyroid hormone is another one. It is also converted in your gut. T4 is converted to the usable T3. It happens in your gut. It happens other places too, but all, you know, when the, when the conversion is not happening in your gut, it's not getting then to the form that the body can actually use it. And as we know, thyroid, one of its main influencers is the metabolism. So obviously if that is off balance or if that's not converting right or getting to where it needs to go because of conversion issues, that can lead to weight gain. The third thing that I want to talk about tied to weight gain in the gut is inflammation. So again, we just talked about chronic fatigue and the source of fatigue is is the inflammation. Um, But it makes you, again, not want to move. It makes you generally feel crummy. I've talked a bunch of times about how inflammation in your body shows up on the scale right? Like we see an inflammation, uh, or we see, we, we weigh ourselves in the morning after a night of eating crappy and drinking a bunch of alcohol and whatever. And we see a five pound increase on the scale. That's not five pounds of fat. That's five pounds of inflammation and, um, body water imbalance issues and, and all that, because your body's responding to the chemicals and the toxins that you ingested the night before. Inflammation is a sign that your immune system has kicked in. So if your immune system is kicking in because you ingested a bunch of toxins, that's one thing. If your immune system is kicking in because you ingested foods that you're sensitive to, that's another thing, or chemicals that you're sensitive to, that's another thing. Or maybe if you went out to the bar and they're smoking and you inhaled a bunch of chemicals, your immune system's responding to that as well. All of that shows up as inflammation inflammation, all of which can lead to weight gain because of fatigue and or what you see on the scale. So that was a lot of information thrown at you. If you have to rewind this and listen to it a few times, I totally get it. But it 
hopefully you just see that gut issues and weight gain are hugely related. And again, I will be putting together a whole program on this, a group coaching program on this, because uh, a lot of people have asked for it. And it's something that I have a lot of information to share about. Um, So I'll be putting that together and letting you all know about when that's available. Um, But if, if, let's recap real quick. I want to recap because that was a lot of information. So your gut health is important, right? (laughs) So when it's not working properly, uh, it can lead to a number of symptoms. But I just picked three that tend to be uh, the most prevalent that I see. So skin issues is one, remember. So your skin is flaring up. And it, it, things like eczema, things like acne, rosacea, anything like that, psoriasis, all of the skin issues are tied to the gut. You want to look at food sensitivities, specifically gluten. But again, please seek out the services of either your doctor or another uh, professional in some way, because if you yank out gluten, other things tend to also be removed out of your diet because those those food sources of gluten contain other key nutrients that you need. So you want to make sure that you are getting rid of the gluten, but not all the other good vitamins and minerals that those foods have. So you want to find the balance with that. Um, Chronic fatigue is number two. So that's another thing that's kind of a surprising symptom that you don't really tie to your gut. You may, you may, Uh, think of fatigue like, oh, I just didn't get enough sleep or, oh, I've just been kind of eating crummy lately and all that stuff, Um, which is true. Those also can lead to fatigue, but your immune system is tied to your gut. It's inflammation, low-grade inflammation, like we talked about, can lead to, it's very taxing on your body. It can lead to fatigue. Um, Other things like, are you absorbing the vitamins and minerals that produce energy? Are you absorbing any of those? First of all, are you getting enough of those in your diet? But second of all, are you absorbing them? So a couple of things to think about with chronic fatigue. And number three, the weight gain part of it. And again, there's lifestyle related things like exercise, sleep, stress, and nutrition. There are hormones related to weight gain that are all influenced by the gut, like the ghrelin, leptin, and insulin, and also thyroid hormones. And then there is inflammation. So the source of fatigue can be inflammation, which can lead to weight gain. Um, It can also lead to just showing up on the scale and us falsely assuming that the weight gain that we see on the scale is body fat when in fact it is likely inflammation and water weight. So I'm not going to leave you hanging. So what are some tips on how we can eat to maybe restore the health of our gut? First of all, fiber, (laughs) fiber, 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 fiber. We need fiber. Americans are so low on fiber. It's not even funny. Uh, I don't know why that would be funny in the first place, but it's not funny. Um, So we are on average getting about 10 grams, 10 to 15 grams of fiber. Most Americans are getting in a day when we need to kick that up to about 25 to 35, maybe 40, depending uh, per day. So we are, most of us are coming in far too short with that. Fiber is one of the things that produces what's called short-chain fatty acids from the bacteria in our body. Short-chain fatty acids is what produce or what feeds the bacteria, the good bacteria in the gut. And we need that for the healing and the, um, the nurturing of the cells in our gut lining. So definitely important to get the fiber. Fiber feeds the good guys is kind of how you can think of that. Number two, we need to reduce the sugars. We need to, and the artificial sweeteners. So 
things like Splenda, things like um, Ace K and all these additives that we see that are like, oh, low sugar foods and all this stuff. If it says low sugar, it's a chemical crap storm. You do not want it in your body. It's causing, yes, you're not getting calories from it. But as I talked about last episode, calories don't matter. What happens when we have some of these chemical forms of sweeteners, it kills different strains of good bacteria in our system and it influences bad bacteria in our system. And that is a direct source of imbalance. We don't want that dysbiosis. It can lead to a billion other things that I just talked about that that cause issues with the gut. So it's not a matter of how many calories you have. It's what are we doing to nourish the gut bacteria so it can help us thrive. Um, So sugars are the thing that can feed different funguses, things like candida, um, bad bacteria and different strains also feed off of sugar and can cause it to uh, become like an overgrowth type of situation. So sugars, although you don't have to completely eliminate them, start reducing them in your diet if you feel like you're consuming too many. Or if you're having gut issues or any of the issues that we've been talking about, start reducing the sugars. Um, So fiber, sugars, and definitely want to make sure that you are getting enough fruits and veggies. I know I sound like a broken record when I talk about that, but there's a reason. So not only do fruit and veggies, the whole fruit and veggies, not juice, the whole fruit and veggies, not only do they have fiber in them, which is key point number one that we want to get more in our body, but it has the phytonutrients that also help to nourish the good bacteria. Another cool thing I learned has, if anyone has ever done fermenting of like, if you've made your own kimchi or uh, made your own sauerkraut or anything like that, you'll notice that when you have a jar of like the, we'll use kimchi as an example, when you have a jar of kimchi, so that's made with like the bright colored um, cabbages and, and different like beautiful colors of vegetables and you ferment it in a jar. After a, a couple of days, you notice that that vibrant color isn't there anymore. And it kind of looks sort of dull, you know, And but do you know what's happening is the bacteria that are fermenting that those vegetables are eating the phytonutrients. They're eating the things that give the vegetables the color. And so when we consume the bacteria, we're getting kind of like a souped up version of those phytonutrients because now it's been influenced by the good bacteria. So now when we consume those fermented foods, we are getting different forms of the phytonutrients in a way that is really beneficial to us. So uh, I thought that was interesting that it's literally eating the color out of the vegetables, but we're getting it in like a souped up form when we consume those types of foods. So, uh, So brightly colored fruits and veggies have those phytonutrients that are so nourishing. Cause again, you might think like, well, should I only be eating like just all fermented foods? No. Um, But when we eat like a brightly colored, say, apple or something like that, we are feeding the bacteria the same as it's just not in a jar fermenting on the counter. It's in our bodies fermenting. So we're still getting those bacteria, those brightly colored nutrients that we need. They just need us to actually eat them so they can get it. So that's what's happening when we have brightly colored fruits, veggies and salads and things like that and smoothies. When we consume those, the bacteria in our gut thrive. So if you need help getting in more servings of fruits and veggies, I get asked a lot, how many servings should I get? Is it the five to seven? Five to seven is actually not adequate anymore. We're actually aiming for seven to nine. So getting seven to nine servings of fruits and veggies can be a challenge. I know it is a challenge, 
But one of the ways that we can do that is by getting smoothies. So smoothies are a great way when done properly to get all the sources of, of vitamins, minerals, nutrients, all sorts of things in um, that doesn't take up too much, you know, space in your stomach and, you know, you don't get too full and all that. So if you need help putting together balanced smoothies, I do have that ultimate smoothie guide. I'll put a link in the show notes. It's also on my website. Um, you can uh, purchase that. It's only $7, but it really walks you through how to make a proper smoothie and balance it so that you won't also have like blood sugar issues and you're getting the most out of that smoothie. So, all right. That is a wrap up of the three surprising symptoms that are actually tied to your gut health. Um, I hope this was helpful for you. And if there's any takeaway or actions task that you can do this week is take a look at some of the symptoms that you have. Are you are you experiencing fatigue? Do you have weight gain that's un um, that, that you don't know the source of, do you have skin issues? You know, are you having some digestive issues like bloating and, um, diarrhea, constipation, any of that distension of your belly, like those types of things, um, of course are, you know, digestive issues, but maybe figuring out the source of that. What are you doing that's contributing to that? And how are you going to turn that around? Because it absolutely is possible to feel a lot better. Digestive health, health is one of those things that, is modifiable once you figure out what is actually going on. So, um, all right. So I will leave you with that. If you have any questions or if you found this episode helpful, please share it with a friend or a family member who maybe is having some digestive issues. Um, I would love to be able to have them listen to that and hopefully they get some, uh, options to help them. And again, if you have specific questions tied to symptoms that you're experiencing, I do have the free 20-minute consultations. You can sign up either on my website, uh, foodfactornutrition.com, or on the link below in the show notes, and I am happy to discuss your specific situation privately with you. All right, everyone, I hope you enjoy the rest of this beautiful week. We are fast approaching springtime, and that just makes me so happy. So hopefully you are enjoying this, and spring break is coming up, and you have some time to relax and enjoy your family and friends. And please reach out to me if you have specific questions. Thanks. Bye.